Welcome everybody, time for another episode of Asher Sales Sense, brought to you by Asher Strategies. Welcome to another episode of Asher Sales Sense. I'm Susan Finch, and I'm here with our host, John Asher, from Asher Sales Strategies. Our guest today is Fred Diamond, co-founder and president at the Institute for Excellence in Sales. The IES runs programs around the world for sales teams. Their featured programs include Women in Sales Leadership Forum and Leadership Elevation Conference. Our topic today is lessons from the most outstanding sales managers in the country. John, I'm going to let you take it away and welcome, Fred. Thank you. Thank you, Susan, for the introduction as always. Hi, Fred. John, great good to see you as always. Yeah, yep. great to see you on the show. So for the listeners' sake, Fred and I have been collaborating now for uh, at least eight years, uh, both of our organizations. It's always great to have Fred as a guest. I've been a guest on his shows as, as well. And so Fred has actually been a host of about 600 sales leaders in the country, mainly B2B and some B2G, and he has compiled them all into sections and and areas and written a great book about it. So Fred, welcome. Can you give us some like a big picture on Yeah, John, it's great to see you as always, of course. And the podcast we started in 2017 is called the Sales Game Changers Podcast. We've been fortunate to have been recognized by numerous entities as one of the top sales podcasts out there, including Yesware, which just listed us as the best sales podcast for sales leaders in 2022. So I've interviewed sales leaders around the globe uh, uh, in technology, hospitality, entertainment, sports. And we came up with our book. It's called Insights for Sales Game Changers, Lessons from the Top Sales Leaders Around the Planet. And we talked about some of the topics that are critical for their success. And what we did in the book is we narrowed it down into 14 chapters. And over the first 400 episodes, We took some of the most salient and interesting quotes that we could find. Uh, We fortuitously, we transcribed every show we've ever done. So I recommend if anybody here is a podcaster, spend the money on the transcription. It'll be an amazing thing for you. So we went back and we figured out what are the 14 most important buckets, if you will, that we talked about. And then we went back and found some quotes and we put it into a book and it's been really well received. It's been very rewarding. Excellent. And how did you determine those um, the 14 buckets? You know, why not 13 or 15? Yeah. Well, what we did is we have an introductory chapter and we have 14 chapters. So it was recommended to us for your book. You want to have 15 chapters. What we did is we went back and like I said, since we transcribed every show, we did some analysis on what were the most common words that were uttered during the course of the podcast. And of course, we eliminated words like, you know, the and things like that. And, you know, some of the key themes that had been addressed time and time again. And we then, like, I talked to people like you and said, you know, which of these 30 words make the most sense? Which are the most interesting that sales leaders and professionals could learn from? We're all about learning. And then we narrowed it down to, I think, 14 or 15 originally. And for the book, we then narrowed it down to 14 in total. So they're actually just a word like listen. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you the words we found, like leadership. You know, leadership came up time and time again. Strategic account growth, conversations, uh, creating urgency, creativity, emotional intelligence. You and I have talked about emotional intelligence dozens of times. Uh, The big word, John, the number one word, empathy. And of course, when the pandemic kicked in, that became such a critical thing for people to become more empathetic with everybody else that they're dealing with on the planet. 
uh, listening is something that we've always come up. We did about 200 episodes of the podcast prior to the pandemic. And as you may recall, what I would do is I would go to sales leaders' offices. Right. Uh, you and I, I believe, did an interview with the Army Navy Club. We uh, did. <laughs> yep, downtown in D.C. And we would talk about you know their journey and lessons and mission. Then when the pandemic kicked in, we did everything over go to webinar or Zoom. So the tenor of the conversations changed. We weren't talking about someone's journey. We were now talking about what should people be doing every day. But prior to the pandemic, when I would ask sales leaders, what is your superpower? Or what is something that you're amazing at? Listening came up all the time. And I would hear expressions like the 66% solution, or you have two ears and one mouth, you know, use them in that order. And then I would go deeper, John, you may recall. And I would say, okay, great. You know, after 20 sales leaders had said, listening is my super skill, I then started saying, okay, tell us two things that you do, or one tip to help the listeners of the podcast become better at listening. And we really started uh, getting deeper into it. In the book, we talk about mentoring and coaching and the distinction between the two, the need to have a mentor to guide you through, especially for women in sales. And a large portion of the people we talk to are women in sales. Having a mentor and a sponsor was something that came up frequently. Mindset. You know, I remember uh, I would always ask, what is the number one thing that you need to think about to be successful in sales? And when I would talk to great sales authors like you and the Jeb Blunts and Mark Hunters and Anthony Irenos of the world and Neil Rackham, mindset would come up time and time again. Of course, we talked about prospecting. Big part of sales is, is finding new customers. Relationships. And relationships have come up even more so, more important over the last couple of years, which we might get to. Of course, preparation and research. And you can see these are alphabetical. And finally, value. How are you, how are you providing value to your customer? Right. So in my experience, two of the most important are being able to build rapport and showing empathy with the other person and using emotional intelligence tools. And so it's that and uh, listening. Those are actually been the keys to my success. I was on a call um, yesterday, and somewhere near the end, the guy said, you know, why do you keep giving me all these things for free? And I said, well, the more you give, the more you get, basically. And I sincerely want to help you get your job done. And he said, okay, well, I, I got that. And he said, so here's what I'd like you to do for me. And then he started listing things. And so in my own experience and from my experience of training and dealing with a whole bunch of salespeople, if you know how to build a relationship with another person and you know how to really listen, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, you know, I'd like to share, if you don't mind, some of the quotes that we had in the book. No, so, love to hear them. Yeah, so empathy, like I mentioned, it was really interesting. We did a, an interview with a woman called Alyssa Merwin. She's the head of U.S. sales for LinkedIn. And we interviewed her right before the pandemic. And she talked about vulnerability. I said, why are you such a great sales leader? And she said, I've, I'm vulnerable with my people. And the reason I mentioned that is that was episode, I think it was like 160 or something. That was the first episode where some of these concepts, vulnerability, authenticity came up. Right now, remember, this was before the pandemic. And a lot of the shows we talked about, you know, how people got great sales and how they uh, a mentor that helped them get along. Then in March 2020, when we shifted because of the pandemic, then we started talking much more about almost every show empathy would come up. Let me share a quote here by Howard Brown, Howard's at Revenue.io. And all we talked about was empathy. 
He said, empathy is the ability to understand someone else's emotions, their feeling and their situation. And it's critical. It's critical in my relationship with my wife, with my children, with my coworkers, with my customers. And it's critical because we all want to be heard. We all want to be understood and we want to be seen. It's critical to human nature. It's critical to trust. It's critical to relationships. And, you know, it goes back to something you and I have talked about a number of times, John, the fact that people appreciate more what they discover. And one of the problems with salespeople is you show up and you throw up. You see that all the time and you feel that you have to like, if you if you miss something, you're going to forget something and you're not going to get that cream. The reality is, John, people appreciate more the ability for them to talk things through. And the great salespeople, we like to say, yeah, a great call is when you're doing 10% of the talking, right? Now, maybe a demo, it's a different situation, or maybe they're looking for some education, but I mean, you're obviously an educator and a trainer. You know, if the customer's doing all the talking, they feel that you're with them, you're sensing them, and there's a lot of power with that. I had a trainer once tell me, just put yourself in the other person's shoes, which kind of sums up what you, what you just said. You know, one of the other things we had in the book is uh, one of the greatest quotes we ever had. Do you know, do you remember Gary Milwitt at J.G. Wentworth? Have you ever come across him? I've, He's, I've uh, heard about him. Yeah, he's won a couple of our awards when we've done things. The most powerful thing besides anything that you said, John, that I've ever heard on the podcast is make who you're talking to feel important. And, uh, you know, we end every show with, uh, we ask our guests, give us an action step, something people can do specifically. That was so powerful. The ability to be able to transfer that and to let the customer, and to let the customer know that you truly care about them and what they're saying is important. Yeah, I've actually gotten a lot of um, great information from just going to your the IES when we actually were in person and hearing speakers, or then, of course, hearing them online. One of the best tips I ever got was, after you've done rapport building, done the questioning, pretty much know what the customer needs, discuss solutions, instead of saying, Fred, based on our discussion, here's what I recommend you do, instead of that, ask, based on our discussion, how would you like to proceed? And then when they tell you what they want of what you've got, the closing rate goes so much higher than if you tell them what you think they should. Now, that's brilliant. And one thing I've learned from you is the ability to keep the conversation going from their perspective, which you just talked about. And even things like, I want to make sure I get this right. Can I take notes? Yes. Uh, as compared to, <laughs> do, do, do you, you mind, mind if I take notes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the continuation ladder to yes. And, and you're the master right. of, of educating people on that. <laughs> exactly. So Susie, you want to chime in of all, everything you've heard now? What's, what rings a bell with you from all this information from Fred? Well, I enjoyed hearing Fred about the transition, you know, from 2020 forward, of course, and looking back what it was like before that. Since I run a nonprofit, we bring comfort to kids that are ill and abused through the gift of blankets. But what I've learned through that is we're all pretty basic and we make things way too complicated. You just simplified it. Most people just want to be seen and heard and to know that you're trying to understand them, even if you don't that you're making that effort. And that's respect. I mean, that's giving somebody respect and validation. And we're finally all talking about that a whole lot more. I've been talking about for you know 20 years with the nonprofit, but it's the same thing. It's giving them dignity yeah. at the most basic level and that you are focused. I'm so focused on you. I want to know more. I want to hear more. What you say matters to me. 
And that's what you're talking about here. Sales is about service, right? You know, we've toyed, mm -hmm. should I change my title to the Institute for Excellence in Service? Well, it's, it's not appropriate because we are about sales. And actually, you know, at the end of the day, if things aren't sold, you know, your, your company's not going to survive. So we do spend a, a lot of time talking about the sales process and, you know, things like that. But it's gotten harder over the last couple of years for obvious reasons. People are so focused on everything related to the pandemic. And even now, as we're coming out of wherever we've been, there's a lot of, well, okay, how do I be now? Right. And here's the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge is this. It used to always be about how do I present the solutions that I'm offering you, right? It's like, I need to make sure that I'm presenting the solutions. Well, one thing that we've gotten clear on during the pandemic is it's not just about you and your customer. It's about your customer and their customer and your customers, yes. customers, customers. You know, I was talking to one of our sales leaders at one of our members company and he said, my big challenge right now is how do we be in this, whatever hybrid world looks like, whatever the work from home world looks like, it's a challenge for us, but it's also a challenge because it's a challenge for our customers and it's a challenge for our customers, customers and our customers, customers, customers. So if you're sitting around thinking all day long about, gee, how do I reach my quota, excuse me, or how do I do this, that, and the other thing, you're done. You're toast because it's, mm -hmm. it's about the supply chain. And it's gotten, John, do you agree it's gotten further eliminated over the last three years? Oh, Exactly. You know, in, in this regard, one of the one of the maybe the best sales book I ever read, and maybe even the best business book I ever read all in one book, was The Go Giver, and I highly recommend that to every salesperson. You know, it's about this thick. The two-hour read is a story. When that woman gave that speech, the real real estate woman, I cried. <laughs> yeah. It brought tears to my eyes. Her speech. Now, we've had Bob Berg, who's the author on the show on the Sales yeah. Game Changes podcast, and uh, he's a wonderful human being who has transformed so many lives. But you know, it's interesting too, John, it's, uh, again, sales needs to happen. You know, one of the first things that we heard during the pandemic was sales is going to be the entity that leads our companies through this. Things need to be transacted. You know, the great salespeople, you still need to sell what we're offering now way that you go about it has changed. What you're offering may has changed, uh, have changed over the last couple of years based on obviously the, the world and how it's changed. But, you know, you still need to be able to, to do that. But empathy, emotional intelligence, which uh, we could talk about as well, mindset, all these things. Uh, Allison Patrick was one of our guests when she was at Maximus. And she said, I believe that empathy means leading with the heart and trying to make the person sitting across from you successful. And we talk about that a lot. It's like, if you want to be successful in sales, think about how what you're doing is going to make that person get promoted. John, that's about time for a break. We'll be back in a minute after this message. Over 200 correlation studies show that natural aptitude is the most significant factor in predicting sales success. Asher's Advanced Personality Questionnaire, the APQ, consistently identifies peak performers in outside sales, inside sales, sales management, customer support, and 17 other business positions. Go to asherstrategies.com today or call 866-833-9941. That's Asher Strategies at 866-833-9941. 
9941. And we're back with John and Fred. So, Fred, great to have great to have you on the show. The um, I can't imagine doing what you've done with 600 podcasts with all these sales leaders and gaining all this knowledge. And just to follow up on what you said before the break, as the, the late great Zig Ziglar used to say, "No sales, no company." <laughs> so, sales is pretty much going to always be with us. Now, one of the things I have seen during the pandemic as we've kind of come out of it, is that marketing is ascendant and sales is descendant. Mm. You know, 15 years ago, marketing was a kind of a subset of sales. Now, actually, marketing drives sales. So that's kind of flipped a bit. You know, 15 years ago, the director of marketing would say to the VP of sales, let's go to lunch. I need to, I need to have a chat. And they would get there and the director of marketing would say, you know, we give your sales guys all these great leads and they don't follow up. And then, of course, the VP of sales would say, well, it's because they're crappy leads. <laughs> mm. But now, Fred, you're a marketing guy. You know this. The marketing and marketing automation is so great now. Most CMOs, their job is to get qualified leads for salespeople. So yeah. that equation has really flipped, and the pandemic accelerated the flip. It did. You know, the other big challenge, of course, is the fact that customers can now self-serve with information. Um, obviously because of the internet and social media and uh, peer groups, if you will, they don't necessarily need the salesperson in the beginning to explain, you know, salespeople used to be walking brochures. And uh, I, I remember I was, I was at Apple and Compaq and we would have day long strategy sessions explaining the roadmap, right. Of where Apple was going over the next two to three years and where Compaq was going. And I worked for a large software company as well. And, Customers don't need that the way they used to, but they still need leadership, right? And the, the great sales professionals who are making a difference are the ones who are thinking about not just what I can sell my customer to make them successful, but where my customer is going. We had a chapter in the book, Research and Preparation. In the beginning, when we would talk about preparation, it was easy stuff. Jumping up on the internet, just don't wing it, right? You know, a lot of people think about their sales calls uh, a minute before they get on Zoom or three minutes as they pull into the parking lot if they're fortunate enough to, uh, to get a meeting. But now the customer, you know, they don't want you to know simple stuff. They want you to come to the table with solutions for me to achieve my goals without me having to tell you, this is what keeps me up at night. This is what pains me. And that's where we're seeing a lot of the distinction with the top of the food chain of sales professionals and the bottom, you know, there's still a need for people to do some of the lower level type grunt, you know, SDR type stuff. Yeah. You got to follow up with those leads that you were talking about. You can't just rely on, especially in B2B and enterprise type selling, but the, uh, the sales professionals who are maintaining it are the ones who understand the industry. You know, they've done the research. They're part of the industry. They're not just a salesperson to, the customer, they show up at events, you know, they write blog articles, they're, they're up on TikTok or Instagram or whatever it might be, or YouTube doing videos on where do I see financial services going in three years? Oh, you work for IBM financial services. That's where you're making the distinction. And you kind of have to put the work, the time and effort to, to be there or else customers don't need you. That's right. And to follow up on what you said a little bit earlier, pre-pandemic, buyers were 
typically 70% of the way through their process of buying something before they reached out to salespeople. They would do all their research and then come up with a short list of the four companies they wanted to talk to. That was pre-pandemic. Post-pandemic, it's 84%. So it's got even gotten worse. One of the lessons out of that is you better have a terrific website. Because those buyers are looking at maybe 20 companies to see what they've got, yeah. see how it might fit with them, and getting down to that short list. Yeah. So you know, if I can go to one company, and they have a tool on their website where I can build my server stack and build the connectors, make sure the server size is going to fit into my spot and get a price, a quote, and I go to three competitors and I can't do that, guess who's probably going to get the, get the job? Uh, you know, the other thing to too, John, we interviewed on the podcast, a, a gentleman named Steve Richard. Do you know Steve at all? Yes. Do you know Steve? Good, Susan. Steve is what... Steve, I had him on my <laughs> oh, show. Oh, good. I've had Steve a, yeah. a couple of times on the show. And uh, one thing that Steve did, he had a company uh, called Exec Vision, where they recorded millions of phone calls. And I asked Steve, I said, yeah, you listened or you had the access of the data of a million, a couple million phone calls. What's the number one thing that you discovered. And normally I would say, you know, John and Susan, what do you think it was? But I'll just tell you, lack of follow-up. He said it was so unbelievable that at least 60% of the calls that they listened to or read whatever, read the transcripts, there was no follow-up. You know, like you were just saying, John, before, it's like, how can I lead them to the next stage? Even simple things like, can we schedule a follow-up call for next Tuesday? Or, you know, can I talk to you about this document I'm going to send you? Or, you mentioned something from our website, you know, can I send you a follow-up and can we talk about it next Tuesday? Uh, it was astounding how little follow-up so many sales professionals do, especially now when, like you were just saying before, they're, they're going to jump to the next three uh, if they can't find what they need from you. And once you get them on the, uh, I still am a big believer in getting people on the phone as you know, as you are, John, uh, once you get that conversation, it's, it's an opportunity to keep going. You have to keep going. I'll say one, one other data point from the pandemic is the closing rate on a Zoom call or a you know, video com, any video conference call is 127% higher than on a phone call. Hmm. And, and so in today's world, if a salesperson can't get a Zoom meeting organized, can't get the time zone right, doesn't show up on time, can't pull up a document like a proposal, can't modify the document, the proposal in real time, doesn't have guidance from the company on how much they can modify it. For many savvy buyers, the salesperson is just flat out. Yeah. They're just out. So it's an example of one skill that salespeople need today where they didn't really need it pre-pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, oh, Susan? Another skill that I hear from both of you on a regular basis that you haven't really talked about but it's really come to the forefront is storytelling. And if we want to be relatable and we want to not just come and hear my wares here, I'm going to solve your problems, bringing stories from past experience and other people like them, like the prospect, it builds that trust bridge so fast and it brings your humanity to it immediately because they hear your passion in retelling the story. They hear your emotion and that you, you know, you're cheering for the person to win as well as you're telling the story. And I think that's been the companies that have spent the time to get their stories that they need for their sales force written and 
everybody to learn them, everybody to be able to put their spin on it, their add their pieces to it, are seeing more success as well because they are endearing themselves to prospects and converting them at a much higher rate. I'd agree. And there's some really useful de- uh, information from Harvard NeuroLab collaborating with the Harvard sales department. The great stories are a five-part architecture. Mm-hmm. So you start with, if I'm going to tell you a story about a customer I helped that was just like you in the same industry, I'm going to start with the buyer's emotion right? What was their emotion in the beginning? I'm going to relate it. You know, it's the same industry as you are, a mechanical contractor. I'm going to tell them what we actually did, the details of what we did for them, attitude assessment, sales training, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to tell them about the financial results the, the company got. And then fifth, I'm going to tell them about the emotion of the buyer after all of this was over. You know, I'm thrilled with the results, got a promotion to SVP, et cetera. So it's very interesting. Harvard does a lot of work on what's exactly the right architecture for mm-hmm. a great customer story. I'm gonna I'm gonna add another thing. And we didn't really cover this in the book, but because of what the world has gone through in the last two and a half years, there's a degree of I used the word vulnerability before, but people are want to relate to you on a on a different level. I'll give you an example. One of our Customers. So the organization I run, the Institute for Excellence in Sales, we have companies that have at least 100 salespeople are our members. So large companies like well-known tech brands and well-known hospitality brands. One of our customers told us that they recently lost an eight-figure deal because the customer said, you don't look diverse enough. The customer said, you don't look like us. You, you look not as diverse as we are. And they lost a, a claimed an eight figure deal. And then they took a look at themselves and they said, you know what? We're not that diverse. You know, we're very Caucasian. Um, we do have a nice gender mix, male and female, but uh, customers have shifted. Customers have changed. You know, a lot of the customers were, you know, to be honest with you, middle-aged Caucasian males, with a certain type of education, with a certain type of background, and that's really just the way it was. Now there's more minorities coming in, there's more people who identify as as certain ways, and they are the customer, right? So you need to figure out ways to be able to relate. And uh, it's not like the old days, John, where you see a a fish on the guy's door, a guy's wall, and, oh, you're a fisherman, I'm a fisherman with my grandfather. Uh, You know, now it's about Talking about, and we just had a conversation over lunch today with a well-known brand in the hospitality space, and we got deep into energy and mindfulness and uh, you know ways to be empathetic and ways to let your people express themselves. Uh, this wasn't your grandfather's uh, sales call, John and, and Susan. Uh, no. <laughs> and that's a, and we're doing, I just did a show on trauma. I did a sales game changers podcast on dealing, dealing with your childhood trauma so that you could be more successful in sales. Um, You know, so we're getting deeper into the human. We're getting deeper into the emotions. We do talk a lot in the book about emotional intelligence, like we referred to before. People are experiencing things and a lot of people want to know from their salespeople. Yeah, they need to know what they know for the solutions like we talked about. They also, more and more from the pandemic, people want to deal with their salespeople on a human level. Show me that you're going through some of the same stuff that I've gone through or give me something relatable. Today, 
on the sales call, we had uh, uh, the topic from the customer was, tell me your COVID story. What was your big advance in COVID? And she became a meditation teacher, which is why she won. And this is a senior tech leader at a well-known hospitality brand. So John, I'm interested in Susan, your thoughts on on that shift in the process as well. Ooh, I believe what you're saying 100%. I've been going through that. I've had the most delightful, warm, revealing conversations with people talking about aspects of myself and my life that I never would have before. And at first I was like, oh, should I share that? And it was so welcomed and you could feel the exhale across the call or on the screen. And okay, this is what's going on with me too. We're really talking like humans now. And the relief and the strength in that, uh, we started this out talking about vulnerability. That vulnerability and my saying, I'm going to trust you enough with this thing about me that could maybe even damage my career, could damage things. But I think we need to talk about it. It seems to fit. And I have found so much strength that I hadn't expected through that. And connections with people on a much deeper protective level. I mean, a perfect example, and John knows because he got our Christmas card. I didn't do business Christmas cards. My family works for me. And I couldn't get the other people, you know, in India and everywhere else in our photo card. So I just sent my family Christmas card because you guys all know my family now. You know what I'm going through. You know what I, when my successes are. You know when I want to flip out and, you know, throw my kids across the room. You know, whatever it is. Not really. But when they're just like, oh my gosh, did you just say that? But I'm able to share all that and the wins and their successes. And it's been so... I, I don't know. John and I have gotten closer in the last two years than we had been in the prior eight years knowing each other. And they're through real conversations. And with several of our hosts, like you're part of our family. I mean, we talk about you at dinner. <laughs> the other aspect of that is the authenticity as well. Yeah. Yeah. Being the real you as opposed to the fake you or the puffed up you, you know, that sort of thing. Guarded. Well, you know, Susan, mm -hmm. something that's evolved to what you just said. I mean, sales isn't about a transaction. Sales is a process. And, you know, the close isn't really the thing. You want to keep going because, you know, you want to develop these relationships and the being vulnerable and who we are right now will lead to more conversations and mm -hmm. interests and wanting to relate. You know, relationship selling has gotten a real, uh, it's gotten bashed over the last 10 years. And John and I have had many, many conversations. John's one of the great explainers about, you know, why the challenger sale, you know, works as compared to other types of sales processes. And we don't need to go into it right now, but real relationship has gotten bashed because, you know, are you bringing value and is the relationship valuable? Well, I think there's just going to be a shift in that, John, where being able to relate to human beings because everybody has a child who is struggling with something. Everybody mm -hmm. has a relationship that's struggling at some level. Everybody has a, a family member who's sick with something. Uh, so finding somebody who you can communicate with, that's going to give you another opportunity to have an hour-long conversation. And at the end of the hour-long conversation, it's like, well, tell me again what your software does. Or, you know, I want to make sure I connect you with, with whomever as compared to 55 minutes of, let me tell you bits, bites, and all these kinds of things. Because if I don't, I'm going to lose the sale. And people are, are working on that, which goes back to the storytelling you know, the ability to communicate 
effectively in today's world Mm -hmm. and the ability to get right to, I know what you're going through, which goes back to empathy and having the emotional Mm -hmm. intelligence to be able to communicate from that place. Wow. Good for us. Good for us. Good for us. So (laughs) it's a great direction that we're headed. I'm excited about it. So Fred, I know we have to, uh, I know we've got probably gone over, we need to wrap this up, but let me just ask you, are there any of the quotes that really stick in your mind? Some of the pithy quotes? Yeah, there's a bunch. Let me, let me share one. Uh, I'll share one here um, from Amy Franco and she's a sales trainer. Yeah. She's a sales trainer in Ohio, very active in Girl Scouts. Our job is to be a trusted advisor. And we didn't get really much into the word trusted advisor today to our clients and to our prospective clients to be that calm in the storm, agility and being strategic, being that for a client. I also want to share something. So a major shift that we've done is into women in sales. We don't really talk too much about women in sales today, but a quote from Cynthia Barnes, who is a leader in the women in sales movement. And as John knows, uh, we run great women in sales programs at the Institute for Excellence in Sales, our Women in Sales Leadership Forum, where we help women uh, leaders grow, and our Women in Sales Leadership Elevation Conference, which is in, in April. Excuse me, Cynthia says, I have advice for the women. The advice for women is to ask, well, actually, this is advice for leadership. I have advice for uh, leaders who lead women. Ask yourself, if the woman is not speaking up, have I as a leader created a safe environment for them to do so? And we really didn't spend time talking about that, but women have left the workforce over the last year and a half. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce estimated that 1.5 white-collar women left the workforce. Um, They've had to take care of the families and all those kinds of things. And uh, one of the things, of course, that's happened in the world over the last two and a half years is people taking a dick, deep, uh, deep look at their life. Do I want to be selling CRM software, you know, and not being home and being on the road and doing all those things? Or do I want to teach meditation or whatever it might be? A lot of, uh, for the leaders out there, it's being sensitive to their people and where they're coming from and the best way mm-hmm. to lead them right now. John, I have so many other, I just have one other quote here I'll give. Yeah. Um, and I got so I got a bunch of them from you, but uh, this is from the great the great Dave Curlin, who I'm sure you probably know the, no, the no. author of, yeah the author of Baseline Selling, uh, and we we talked about conversations uh, during today's show. You want people to say this is a quote from Dave. You want people to say, "Wow, that is the best conversation I have ever had with a salesperson," because they didn't sound like a salesperson. He sounded like somebody who had my best interest in mind and gave me what I needed to know and showed how they could help me on a regular basis going forward. And that, I mean, Dave's obviously a brilliant guy, but that sums up a lot of what we just talked about in the last uh, 30, 40 minutes about relatability and about salespeople. You need to know what your customer's going through. And here's the thing, you don't have the luxury of starting the conversation when you start the conversation. You need to, when you have the, the gift the opportunity to interact with them on Zoom, in person, phone, whatever it might be, that you are starting with genuine, for lack of a better word, solutions for where they are and where they're going. And you can understand that. When you start off with like a blase thing like, gee, it looks like you could use CRM solutions because of your business. Sorry, buddy. That ain't nothing there. Uh, It looks like you could use some productivity solutions. You know, at the Institute for Excellence in Sales, LLC, you know, I, I know you didn't do your work 
and uh, we're, we're beyond that, man. It's 2023. You you got to come to the table at the starting point of I'm here to help, and here's some solutions. It may not work. It may not be perfect, but at least that you've given it some thought, and and you're you're looking for their best interests. Oh, the, you're right. And the, the bottom line from that is that the elite salespeople today are fanatical about research. Yes. Absolutely fanatical. Yes, because you know why, John? They're professionals. And they are sales professionals. They're not sales wingers. You know, they're not like sales show up a minute before the call. You know, they are professional. What do professionals do? Professionals practice. Professionals do things like role play. What, did, what else do they do, John? They read. They listen to podcasts. They go, they go to events. They talk to people in the industry. They take ownership of their career. Think of yourself as a professional, people listening to this. And they don't role play in front of the customer. <laughs> yes, that is a good point. It's like they say, you know, it's like uh, you know, beta, beta software isn't when it's in productivity. It's uh, production, I should say. So, yeah, exactly. And they, they don't role play in the car three no. minutes before the call. No. They role play for the entire week or whatever it might be. And that's the kind of stuff professionals do. Like golfers, you know, during the pandemic, you couldn't go to places. Well, golfers were on the putting range five hours a day, you know, or the driving range or the putting green, I should say. Right. Yeah, exactly. All right, Fred. Well, it's so great to have you on. Thank you. And everybody, if you want to get to know Fred better and what he's up to, you need to go find him on LinkedIn. You can also go to freddiamond.com. There's a really easy one. And subscribe to his podcast. You don't want to miss an episode. Go binge for a weekend at salesgamechangerspodcast.com. Yeah. This has been another episode of Asher Sales Sense from Asher Strategies and our host, John Asher. Thank you both for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you.